Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Interesting enough, um, 
I'm gonna do this as best as I can because I I want to do like a special like portion of the MLB when we before we get away from it. Um, the American League East, we have the Yankees that lead the division and they're starting to pull away now. They're 93 and 58. The Toronto Blue Jays are 85 and 67, eight and a half back. The Tampa Bay Rays are 84 and 68. They are nine and a half back. The Baltimore Orioles are 79, 72, 14 back. And the Boston Red Sox are now 72 and 79, 21 games back. In the AL Central, the Cleveland Guardians are 85 and 67. The White Sox are 76 and 76 at 509 games back. The Twins are 74 and 78, 11 back. The Kansas City Royals are 62 and 90, 23 back. The Tigers are 59 and 92, 25 and a half back. In the AL West, the Houston Astros have clinched. They are 153 at this point. The Mariners are 83 and 68, 16 games back. The Angels are eliminated with 66 and 86 as their record at this point, 33 and a half back. The Rangers as well, 65 and 86, 34 games back. And the Oakland A's are 56 and 96, 43 and a half games back. In the NL East. The Mets are 96 and 57, leading their division, but not by much. The Braves are right behind them, 94 and 58, a game and a half back. The Phillies are 83 and 68, 12 games back. The Marlins are 63 and 89, 32 and a half games back. The Washington Nationals are 52 and 99, 43 games back. In the NL Central, the St. Louis Cardinals are 89 and 64, leading their division. The Milwaukee Brewers are 82 and 76 and a half games back. The Cubs are 66 and 86, 22 and a half back and eliminated at this point. Cincinnati is also eliminated at 59 and 93, 29 and a half games back. And the Pirates are bringing up the back end of this, 56 and 96, 32 and a half games back. In the NL West, the Los Angeles Dodgers are 105 and 47, leading the league with the best record in MLB. The Padres are 84 and 68, 21 games back. The Giants are 74 and 78, 31 games back. Eliminated are the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. The Diamondbacks are 71 and 82, 34 and a half back. The Colorado Rockies are 65 and 87, 40 games back. First and foremost, I'm going to do this as best as I can because uh, this is interesting times, uh, especially in the MLB. We have a situation where we have two players on historical runs, at least in this season, one like in an all-time caliber and one within this season doing damage. First and foremost, I'm going to go to Aaron Judge. It's closer to me because it's like 15 minutes away uh, taking place in the Bronx in which he is now in the 60 home run club. He's at 60. Everybody's waiting to see him get to 61 to tie up Maris and see if he can go past that. Um, They have this is their 130, 143. They have 143, so then they have 19 games remaining. So he has 19 games remaining to at least see if he could get as far as he can. Uh, he's been on a tear regardless, but, it, you know, I think everybody wants to see him hit the 61, and it's just that aura, that, that energy that they want to see him get it, and it hasn't happened. I think it's going to probably happen today or in the next couple games or whatever, but just to see how far he can get. Can he threaten – the 66, can he threaten the 70 or the 73? He does have the time. He does have the time, and he is a big bat at the plate, so this is something that you do have to consider at this point in time, the damage that this guy can do, because um, a lot of these pitchers can try to force a buy him, and he's actually making that contact. He's strong enough to 
just get the barrel on the ball and get it out of the park. And it, this is historic of uh, what he's doing, especially in the American League. We haven't seen somebody get to this point uh, in American League since the Marist run. So, and I know I wasn't around. I didn't see it. <laughs> so, um, this is this is awesome for a player of his caliber, especially for the Yankees that always have a big bat within their lineup to get it done, and him having to deal with so much uh, with people in and out of the lineup, and he's been the constant there. Um, and also betting on himself, too, while um, the Yankees threw a contract at him. He didn't like it, and uh, he ended up going a different direction. Um, I, I know that this season right here is going to have to make them jump into that uh, checkbook and basically give him a blank one to see what he comes up with. Otherwise, if he doesn't like what they're talking about, Cashman and company, I think he's going to end up going somewhere else. Um, he's a California guy. I, I think this is a tough scenario while there's California teams that are doing good at this point in time. If he can't get a good deal in the Bronx, which I, I think the, the Yankees are handicapped at this point. He's, he's been, this is the MVP season. I, I don't think that there's – like we had a discussion Wednesday about who should win the MVP if it was him or Otani, and there was some pushback on Otani. But uh, right now, the way that it's looking to me, I think this is a judge's title. I, if, if somebody else gets it, that this, there's going to be a debate. I don't I don't think Otani's done enough. And plus, he was injured for a good duration of time. Uh, but he still had a good season, no less, and he's pitching well and he's hitting also. So I can't take away too much of what he's done for the game as well. But what Judge has done to have this Yankee team doing good and then they still fall apart. And he's still doing good at that point in time while the team isn't doing good. And um, still being a constant uh, puts a lot of weight on the Yankee shoulders at this point in time. So – I think this MVP season helps him. Um, they threw, I think it was $213 million at him. He's older, though, so he's 30. So I'm, I'm wondering what type of deal they're trying. he's trying to get. So would it be like a 10-year for like 30? So like a 10-year for 300 and be like 30 mil a year? I, I think that's the one thing that I think he's looking at um, because that 213 probably was a little light to him. But at the end of the day, I don't know. Um how this is going to pan out the way that it should. Um, or nevertheless, like I said, he's from California. I doubt if he get on the Dodgers roster, maybe the Giants or maybe the Padres could welcome him in if he's trying to go back to California. Um, but it'd be interesting enough that he was trying to get back to the West Coast and get away from his area. Because look, look right now, in September, summer just ended, and it's cold. Like like I, I I like the fall. I love that that atmosphere, that weather. But um, I don't think this is something that he wants to, you know, endure for the rest of his career unless it's worth it. You know, so if they're throwing him thirty, thirty-five, something like that a year, I, yeah, I'd I sit out here and deal with the snow for you know, and the four seasons, things of that nature. But some people are just welcome to going back home and doing what they do and and uh, making a name for themselves at this point in time. So. We will see how this does end up. Now, that's the first portion of it, because I do want to give judges credit and respect. An awesome player. Even though you guys know me personally, I am not a big Yankee fan, but it, you can't deny greatness. I can't. I can't get away from judge. And um, the one thing that I am hoping for is that <laughs> he does leave the Yankees so the Yankees can suffer some more, because uh, the one thing that they're hampered with is their uh, their rotation and their pitching, their, their bullpen, things of that nature. They also have a great offense, but their defense hasn't helped them, um, especially players making errors in the in the field too. So this is what's making them somewhat vulnerable. I think the Yankees do have to come up with a World Series like this season. If they don't, this will all be for naught. And um, 
we know that that's the expectancy of this team out of the Bronx. Now, the one that I can't miss is the uh, the guy that I, I I can't lie, I love and respect him, is Albert Pujols. And everything that he's been through, going through the teams that he's been through, uh, leaving St. Louis and then going to the the Angels, excuse me, he went to the Angels, then he went to the Dodgers, now he's back in St. Louis. And credit to his career, uh, he's at the doorstep of 700. And now, as of this weekend comes around, he hits two home runs while he had, he was at 698 in the same game and got to the 700 club. Albert Pujols, since you came into the league and started hitting the ball, it was incredible the way that he just took care of business at the plate. There was no gains. Everything was a hit, whether it was a base hit or he could hit a bomb, but he crushed every hit. If it was a, a single, it was a crush. If it was a double, it was a crush. It, like everything that he did, this, and his nickname is The Machine, and, and I love and respect what he does at the plate. It's like what you want to do while you're playing baseball, at least on the offensive side. And for him to get to this and how uh, gracious this guy is while he's playing the game, is, you, I respect the heck out of this guy. Um, I, I tip my hat to Albert Pool to get to 700. I do want to see how far he gets uh, within, let's just say, the 2019, 18 games that are left. Um, I'm looking at the, the record now. They are one, 153 games in. Yeah, they have 153, so they have nine games left on the season. Um, I, yeah, I don't think he'll be able to catch Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth is at 714, and Hank Aaron 755, and Barry Bonds is at, what, 783, I think it's something like that. I don't think he'll catch any of them. But it'd be interesting to see how far he can get. So he's at 700. I think this may be uh, 703, 705 at its highest. Um, but still, nevertheless, I do got to tip my hat for him to get to 700 home runs in his career. Um, never really thought of that. And me and Albert Pujols are basically the same age. He's a year older than me. Um, but for him to come into the league at his age and for him to do this type of work for the past 20 so years, incredible and and still be that guy even though while he was in anaheim he's had a lot of up and down years and when he was in la he was like a shell of himself but right now he got the swagger back there and also with the cardinals the cardinals are in first place in their division so they will be in a postseason it would be interesting if they could tie this thing up um and get him a world series i don't i don't think they'll be favorite to get there i think it's a dodgers Yankees Astros situation. Well, the Yankees Astros on the American League side. Um, National League side is Dodgers Mets to me right now. Maybe the Cardinals. Maybe the Cardinals do have a strong offense. They are getting it done. I just want to see if uh, their defense holds up. If their pitching could get some things done, you know. But nevertheless, nevertheless, it's incredible to see this run, you know. So. Um, I, I just this is this is just incredible time for this to be the end of his career. More than likely, looking like he's gonna end up retiring. Um, we'll see. Okay, so college football is on the spectrum right now, and I'm gonna tell you something, Sports City. I am pretty much at my wit's end on what's happened in college football. Um, especially what happened with my team like uh, yesterday or last night, or however it went down afternoon going into the evening. But I will cover the scores as best as I can and go over some of the games uh, that I'd like to discuss. Um, we have 
Georgia that played Kent State. They won this in Athens, 39 to 22. Alabama wins their matchup up against Vanderbilt, 55 to 3. Ohio State wins their matchup, 52 to 21. Michigan wins their matchup, 34 to 27 in Ann Arbor. Uh, Clemson wins their matchup in a dog fight uh, and double overtime up against Wake Forest, 51 to 45. Oklahoma Oklahoma loses their bout to Kansas State in Norman, Oklahoma, in a stunner, 41 to 34. Kansas State knocking off a sixth-ranked Oklahoma in Oklahoma. USC wins their game up against Oregon State in a nail biter, 17 to 14, in Oregon State's building. Kentucky wins their matchup up against Northern Illinois, 31 to 23. Texas A&M wins their game at home up against Arkansas and College Station, 23 to 21. Tennessee outlasts Florida, 38 to 33, in a nail-biter in SEC matchup and a rivalry, no less. North Carolina takes care of business up. No, excuse me, North Carolina State takes care of business up against UConn, 41 to 10. Utah wins their matchup up against Arizona State, 34 to 13. Penn State wins their matchup up against Central Michigan, 33 to 14. Oregon outlasts Washington State in a nail-biter, 44 to 41, in which Washington State looked like they were going to win this game. They did not. Ole Miss wins their matchup up against Tulsa, 35 to 27. Baylor outlasts Iowa State in an interesting matchup, 31 to 24. Washington wins up against Stanford at home in the state of Washington, 40 to 22. BYU wins their matchup up against Wyoming, 38-24. Texas Tech with a stunner at home in Lubbock, up against Texas, winning their game 37-34. Pittsburgh beats Rhode Island, 45-24. And last but not least, the game that frustrated me the most, Middle Tennessee State beats Miami in Miami, 45-31. There are a few games that I do want to discuss. I will save the best for last. My boys will get it. I am not playing around with them at all. the Georgia situation, this is surprising. Uh, they've been crushing everybody that they've been going up against uh, game after game, winning these matchups. They go up against a Kent State team that they were heavily favored up against. And Kent kept this game close, uh, going score for score with them. Uh, I really think that Georgia did have way more guns at Kent State than they would be able to outlast them. But this is where the question starts to loom, like, okay, so when they run into a tough game, this is the Georgia that we're used to seeing. Even though they won, they won the national championship last year, it'll be a game that'll get their attention and move it forward. But they still have Bauer, that tight end is a monster. He, for him to be a tight end and have that speed, it's almost unfair uh, what, he, what he's able to do to the game. I think as soon as he's ready to go to the league, they're going to be going to get him on a roster. Uh, he has good size, great speed, and he can block. So we will see how that works out for Georgia. But nevertheless, this is a, a questionable situation for them to have a tough game at home up against Kent State. There's another game also. Michigan had a nail-biter up against Maryland. Um, I didn't think it would be this close, especially the way that Vegas had it. They had them as a double-digit favor, uh, favorite. excuse me. And uh, Maryland came in there and wasn't worried about that. They came in there and made this an interesting game, uh, took the lead at one point, but Michigan did come back and fight and, took the lead over and didn't look back. But for this to be a one-score game, I do have to tip my hat to the Terrapins to actually make this a game. Uh, Clemson, probably the shocker of all of these games in the top ten of them actually pulling this out, winning this up against Wake Forest. They were favored by a touchdown. Wake Forest ended up making this a game and tying this thing up, getting the lead, forcing Clemson to score. They ended up going score for score for score at the end of the game and ended up tying this thing up and going into overtime. This is 
an incredible matchup and for Clemson to hang on to win this game. It says a lot about what Wake Forest brings to the table, but also Clemson, them giving up this type of score, is it more or less the credit to Wake Forest's offense, or is this a situation where Clemson's defense is the question also? So I, I think i got to give it a mixture of both. Um, Clemson doesn't have the same athletes that they once had. A lot of these guys went to the league, and Dabo has to rebuild on the fly, and, and let alone he's still undefeated. So you got to give him his credit to do this as a number five-ranked team in the nation. This stunner that went down in Oklahoma, I, I just don't understand it. Kansas State lost earlier this season. Um, and and the, re- the real thing I'm looking at right now, right, is uh, I, I don't think Kansas State had enough guns to go at it with Oklahoma, especially in Norman, but they did. And it, for them to pull this off the win is by a touchdown. That's a lot. But another thing about Oklahoma and the Big 12 altogether, this is something that bothers me, and I say this all the time, that they don't play defense. And for Kansas State to go into their building and score 41 points, this is something that bothers me, especially a team like Oklahoma where they're getting good recruits in there offensively and defensively, it's just that they don't know how to slow people down. They don't. And this is a bothersome situation within that conference. Yeah, yeah, they'll have a team that could shine at the end of the day. They'll have their bailers. They'll have their whomever that I could just start tossing names around in the Big 12. But they're, they're having basketball game scores. That's what's happening in the Big 12. And uh, for them to lose this type of game, I, if, if the committee's playing the way that they are, if they're being consistent, this type of loss that Kansas State put up on Oklahoma, drop them down. Drop them down far. Oklahoma, watch, watch they be fair with Oklahoma and put them in the teens. I think they'll be in the teens. But they've dropped Miami, even though Miami doesn't deserve it. I, I think that Miami, they, they will be out of the top 25 for sure. But they went from 13 to 25 after losing to a Texas A&M that was a top 10 ranked team that lost Appalachian State. They dropped them down to 24. They beat Miami, and then they didn't move up but so much. If they're losing, if Oklahoma's losing to an unranked team, and Kansas State, drop them down in the 22. Be fair, be consistent, don't have your favorites. Don't have your favorites. But this will show. We will see when the committee gets this together. This will be very interesting. Okay, the next game I wanted to discuss, the the Oregon State game did surprise me. I thought there would be more scoring there, especially being a Pac-12 game. Um, but nevertheless, USC was able to hold that one out. Um, Texas A&M, they had a nail-biter, the 23-21 game also. I'm trying to go through this quickly so I don't interrupt too much of what I have planned for the week three matchups. Um, Oregon, Oregon was in a dogfight with Washington State as well. They outlasted them, putting up that uh, one-score deficit and winning by three. Ole Miss, that's a team that people need to watch out for because they are remaining consistent at this point in time. Take care of – it was Tulsa, though. We will see while they get into the thick of things in the SEC. Uh, Baylor outlasting Iowa State uh, in Ames. Uh, it was actually an interesting one how Vegas had this close with the line. Um, the stunner for me, well, one of the stunners, because I'm, I'm at the end of the top 25, though. Uh, Texas Tech pulling this off, and the way that they pulled this off against Texas, Texas was up, and Texas Tech fought their way all the way back. The last time Texas Tech has beaten Texas in Lubbock was when Michael Crabtree scored the touchdown at the buzzer uh, with Graham Harrell throwing it on the sideline. They thought he went out of bounds. He didn't. He scored the touchdown to win the game. <clears throat> that was well over a decade ago. And um, for this to be a big win for Texas Tech and watching Texas about to get ready to go to the SEC, this is tough because this rivalry may end on that type of win and there being a field goal game in overtime. And nevertheless, the way Texas Tech won this is watching B. John fumble, and he does not fumble. He fumbles in, in, in overtime and basically giving 
Texas Tech, the clear way to win this game is just to be in the middle of the field to kick that uh, field goal, and they did so basically kicking it from the three-yard line and um, winning the game. Um, incredible atmosphere. They got to storm the field. The way the reporters tried to uh, interview the head coach, they they interviewed him, but there were so many people around him, they couldn't even get the right camera view. That That is what is cool about college. I wish that you could do that in a pro football game, storm the field at the game or something like that, but they would never let that. There'd be too much crazy stuff going on. It might be fighting, things of that nature, but at least these college kids are somewhat under control because there's so many of them. You can't control over 40,000 kids running past 10, 20, 30 cops, you know, so – Incredible. Texas loses this game. I think they'll end up falling out of the top 25. Now, the one that bothered me the most and the one that has me the maddest at this point in time is the Miami Hurricanes up against Middle Tennessee State. That's right. Middle Tennessee State goes into Hard Rock and wins this game 45-31. to 31. Now, the interesting thing about this is uh, Middle Tennessee State had the lead all the way through the game. They did not look back, not one bit. And the crazy part about this is, is, to start the game off, they go downfield. Miami gets a stop. Then they they get the stop. Miami gets the ball. The first pass Tyler Van Dyke throws is an interception, basically at the 20. Miami's defense holds, gets them to kick a field goal. Miami gets the ball back, passes the, passes the ball twice. So they have two passers. <laughs> that second pass in that series was a pick six. Tyler Van Dyke's first three passes, He's, I think he's one for three, two interceptions, one's a pick six. Shaking my head at this point in time. So then you look at this game go on. Not only did he throw that, so now they're uphill deficit. Um, That pick six happens. Miami gets the ball back. And then the third play of this third series, the running back fumbles. He fumbles. Middle Tennessee State gets the ball back. They scored now. Miami's facing a huge deficit trying to get back into this game. And I'm going to tell the truth, and I am a diehard Hurricane fan. Tyler Van Dyke looked horrible. And the fact that he didn't look good against Texas A&M and he's not looking good right now against Middle Tennessee State, this is bothersome where they started not only questioning this, they started booing him every time he threw a pass or any time a play was ran. It did not look like Cristobal was trying to get back into this game at all. For them to be down three possessions, he was running the ball up the middle in shotgun form. And this is something that actually bothered me about Miami when uh, Rhett Lashley was there. They stayed in shotgun all season long, didn't go in the eye form or single back, none of that. They just stayed in shotgun and watched these quarterbacks take the snap and hand the ball. It's already it's so much going on back there. Um, while this offensive line is trying to figure themselves out, I think they've gotten better since last year. But the way that Middle Tennessee State, but they bullied them. They played bully ball. They were crushing that offensive line up front, and um, it, it wasn't too much that Tyler could do. Um, Tyler ended up playing so horrible, horrible. I'm saying horrible. They benched him. They got him out of there and put in Jake Garcia. And Jake come, and as soon as Jake came in, it was instant relief. They started scoring, trying to come back, things of that nature. And then the defense gave up another big score, 98-yard touchdown, 70-yard touchdown. Now, they were giving up bombs. Like, I don't know what Charlie Strong is doing with his linebacker core or on the back end with the defense, but this is questionable. This is bothersome at this point in time that they are not able to get this thing done or, or right the ship as best as they possibly can. Um 
But nevertheless, Miami did end up putting 31 points up on the board. But to watch Middle Tennessee State come into Miami and have a seven-score situation. This is seven scores. Um, this is this is terrible. And, and one of the scores was a pick six. So it's, uh, I don't even I don't even care how the, the the dilemma went of how they put the scores up. Miami should be better than this. For them to be a top 15 team at one point in time, they were top 13 up against Texas A&M, and the committee must have seen something or Vegas was involved somehow. But as soon as they lost to Texas A&M, they went from 13 to 25. And it's like, what are you guys up to for them to lose like that to a team that was once a top 10-ranked team in Texas? They lose to them, and you drop them severely. They must have knew that this was going to happen. They had to. So they went to 25. They lost. They are going to be out of the top 25 because they're 25th now. I don't think that they respect this. The committee will respect this. Even if they win next week up against North Carolina, I don't think they'll move them up. Uh, Miami's going to have to go on a run before the committee say, okay, we'll put you at 24. I, I don't I don't think they will. I don't think they will. They're going to have to go on a significant run and knock off big name after big name. This was me going crazy up against the, the hire of Mario Cristobal. The problem with Mario Cristobal is he may be a good, innovative coach, but he can't win big games. Um, in Oregon, they would win a lot of games that they were supposed to. He'll blow teams out up there. But when it was the games when the lights are on, he would falter. And this was a situation where it looked like it, but this wasn't a big game. So it's like, now what's the measure? Like, what what do you do now, Cristobal, to bounce back? Like, are you going to go on a big losing streak? Because you're on a losing streak right now. These are two losses up against Texas A&M, 17-9. You couldn't score. And then up against Middle Tennessee State, you were struggling to put points up on the board until the second half. Um, are you going to lose in North Carolina? You're at home against North Carolina. The one thing that I give Miami a little leeway, I'm not going to say credit, leeway is the loss of them losing the home aura of the Orange Bowl. Um, that's not there anymore. When you look at Miami games, it is completely empty, and you know those kids want to get to the game. That, that's something that, that's not fair to them, that that stadium is at least over a half hour away from the respected university. So those kids, it's hard for them to try to get there to fill that thing up when it's the whole Orange Bowl used to be full when Miami was playing. You know, they would jump around, yell, and, and shake the stands. They don't have that aura, let alone Tyler Van Dyke is like he likes to play on the road because it gives you that college atmosphere. Home isn't home to them. So I don't know what they're going to do to try to fix this, but I know that John Ruiz, the investor, is trying to get another – stadium built in that area of uh, Florida to try and uh, help, I guess, ease the suffering, if you will. But I, I think this is damage at this point in time. And, and Cristobal, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, you can't do it in a year. Rome wasn't built in a day. I, I understand it. But you had the guns. I think they have better athletes on the field than what Middle Tennessee State had. But Middle Tennessee State's athletes were dynamic. The receiving core was burning the heck out of the secondary. So, I, I got to watch what I'm saying. I, I don't even feel comfortable saying that about Middle Tennessee State or talking about Miami. Miami has a lot to prove. And um, for Tyler Van Dyke, and I'm I'm partial and biased to him because he's from Connecticut. Um, he looked horrible. In the past game, he looked horrible. And uh, for what Cristobal is trying to implement, is it's sad because that game against Bethune-Cookman, they ran the ball more than they passed. He wasn't. They they weren't trying to let him get the passing game involved. The next game after that, they played Southern Mississippi. The running game was going crazy. They didn't try to get the passing game involved, and then you run into a game up against uh, Texas A&M where they are reeling to try and get back on the board because they lost to Appalachian State at home. You didn't get the passing game involved like you should have. You're working the run game, and the run game started working. Then in the third 
third quarter on, you try to work the passing game when the running game is working. It's like there's no balance to you. There's, you you don't even know what your offense looks like, and you worked on this since you came through the door to get here. You're supposed to be an offensive mind. You're an offensive lineman at that, and it's not looking like what you had going on on the West Coast of Oregon coming to Miami. Me, myself, I'm, I'm on my soapbox, people, so I apologize. Me, myself, I was the one that wanted, like, Ray Lewis or Ed Reed to come back and turn this thing around. Both of them are basically doing what they want to do, Ed Reed and Ray Lewis, to help instill that defense and turn that thing around. Charlie Strong is a notable name, but I don't think he's that guy to bring that aura back around Miami. Um, they, and Crystal Ball tried to change the whole culture. Everything was going good with the turnover chain. He took that away from them and saying, basically, we get a turnover, we get a turnover. That, that energy's not there. Like, they don't have that aura around there. And I, I guess you want to be that no-nonsense, but now that nonsense is on your lap. You're going to have to turn this thing around, and Miami's looking like they're going to get <laughs> below par. They're 500 at this point in time, sitting at 2-2. Two and two. He has his work cut out for him at this point in time, and I, I feel bad that this is my team at this point in time, and knowing that the, the talent that they have across the board, even in the defense, even in the secondary, Tyree Stevenson came here to do what? He's getting burned, like – the, the, set, the corners are getting burned. Safety's responsibility. Williams can't cover anybody or hold down the field. They don't tackle. They're giving. They had like several different plays where they had the running back well behind the line of scrimmage, and they're just not tackling these guys. These guys are just literally just. I can't even really just say and breaking tackles. They're just out running these guys, breaking arm tackles and getting upfield and getting four or five, maybe a first down because Miami's not responsible enough to get these guys to the ground. Tough scenario. They, they're going to have to go to the drawing board. I feel bad that this is what Miami looks like at this point in time in the early portion of the season where they're playing teams where these are supposed to be the gimmies, like the Bethune-Cookman, Southern Mississippi, Middle Tennessee State. Now, moving forward, they can't give up any more ground. Um, good thing that the losses that they had did not happen in the ACC, so they can still compete in the ACC, but there are teams in the ACC that are doing good, so I don't know what with what type of guns you guys hold at this point in time. So I'm I'm extremely mad at this situation. I, I don't I don't buy this not one bit. I'm not even trying to be calm about this. Miami's gonna have to pull off multiple wins to turn this thing around. They're on a two game losing streak in a short season for college football. You know short college football only plays twelve games, twelve or thirteen games. You you're gonna have to go on a run. I'm sorry. Okay, so um I could do this for a while. I could talk about them like crazy. Um but nevertheless, I'm going to get into this as best as I can. Uh, the NFL Week 3 is a, amongst us here. Um, the call the number is 929-477-2759. Um, we got the next 30 or so minutes. I'm going to go in and out of this as best as I can. My coach is up to something. I don't know where he is, but we will get into this as best as he fit. The first game that we do have on schedule are the Houston Texans going up against the Chicago Bears. This is a very interesting game in which the Houston Texans are in Chicago. The Bears are favored by a field goal. This is close. The Bears are 1-1 one one at this point, winning that one game up against the San Francisco 49ers, losing last week to the Packers. The Texans are 0-1-1, tying with the Colts, and losing to the Denver Broncos in a nail-biter. All of their games have been close. I think Vegas is on to something. I am going to go with the Chicago Bears to outlast the Texans. I think they will cover that spread. I, I still think that that three-point that three game situation are still favor Chicago. I think Chicago will take care of business. I think Fields will be a bit much for the Texans defense, uh, getting a lot of – and that's the one thing about the Bears. They work the 
the bootleg, if you will. They get him out in space and get him to make some throws downfield, and he's a scrambler too. So if things break down, I think he could take off and challenge the linebacking core, things of that nature. I think the Bears take care of business up against the Texans and force themselves into a first-place seeding in the NFC North if they go 2-1. But I, I'm going Bears in this situation. Uh, the next game I have, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that this game is happening like this. Um, well, one one side of the coin, I can look at it like this. Um, the Las Vegas Raiders go into Nashville, Tennessee, and play the Tennessee Titans. They both are at 0-2. The Las Vegas Raiders are favored by two points in Nashville, Tennessee. I am going to say the Raiders, right? And I'm going to get on my soapbox again because I've been on my soapbox all day. I ain't got nobody to challenge me in this situation anyway. So, um, Raiders, you were a team that when Devontae Adams came, they pegged you, the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Kansas City Chiefs as the three-headed monsters to try to win the division. The Denver Broncos, I said they want to include them because they had Russell Wilson come there. I don't feel it just yet. I'll get into the Denver Broncos later, but I don't feel like they're in the runnings to win this division right now, not at least this portion of time. If the Raiders lose this game to the Tennessee Titans that don't have a known receiver or tight end, there's problems in Las Vegas. Josh McDaniels, I want to I want to hear every interview that you have to answer. And all of this credit that they get people from the Belichick tree, I get it. Belichick has been heavily successful for the past 22 years. I get it. I get it. But everyone that leaves there, they don't really have that aura to get them to an AFC championship or things of that nature. Like Romeo Cornell was probably the best one we've seen when he went to Kansas City. But other than that, none of them. Matt Patricia ruined my organization like, they're back on a rebuild, trying to rebuild the Lions after what he did. And even looking at his picks, T.J. Hawkinson, they're looking at him like that's a bust. They're thinking Hawkinson could potentially be a bust after being brought into a Pro Bowl season. They didn't get things turned around. They got Matt Patricia out of there instantly. And they're still looking at the offense in New England right now where Matt Patricia has a handle on the offense and he's not doing well with that offense. So right now the Raiders – they can't afford to lose this game. They can't come out the gates 0-3. This is this is a terrible start for them if they lose to the Titans. The Titans have Derrick Henry and nothing else that's, like, threatening the Raiders at this point in time. Nevertheless, the Raiders do have their issues in the back end and that secondary. I, I do love and respect Max Crosby. I, I, I do love the way that the guy plays football. Um, but if, if they're playing ball effectively, they could neutralize him and, and – make him have to deal with alignment for at least a, a second, second and a half, two seconds, and get by him. But if, if if he's effective enough to get to Tannehill and make this a frustrating game for him, they should be able to take care of business. I'm going with the, the Raiders at this point in time. Um, okay, so I am looking at the, the call, and I'm sorry I didn't see this. So um, I do have some controversy in the building. James, welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? I am feeling good, Ty. It is another great week of football, and I am ready to talk about some. I don't know where you were. I was looking all across the board, so I don't know what you missed or what you heard. Um, uh, I, I came in pretty much pretty close to the beginning. I was listening I was listening in beforehand. Um so I know you guys did the Texans and um the Texans and the Bears, which I'm gonna take the Texans to win. Um mm-hmm. neither team's good, so you're just flipping a coin on that one. <laughs> But I I was really disappointed when the Bears didn't when, – when 
when Aaron Rodgers says he owns your organization and you don't even put up a fight, that tells you all. That tells me all. You, all I need to know about that organization. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take the Texans on that one. Raiders and Titans. These are both teams that were slated to be playoff teams by everybody who would who was talking uh, during preseason, and both are 0 and 2, and the numbers resulting from an 0-3 start are not very good. When we're talking about 0-3 starts, it's less than 10% actually end up making the playoffs, let alone Super Bowl or any other contention. So this is, I mean, as much of a must-win game as you can get in Week 3, this is what we're looking at right now for both these teams. Uh, The Titans are at home. They don't really have much in the wide receiver, but – it did snow in Vermont, so um, I, I heard a few people uh, jokingly say that Derrick Henry is good as soon as they as soon as it starts uh, snowing in Vermont. So we'll we'll see how that uh, that analogy turns up this week in this game. Um, Hunter Renfro out for the uh, for the Raiders is a big deal. Um, I mean, obviously they've. They've still got uh, Adam, so it's not a it's not like a game breaker or anything, but um, it does make them slightly more um, one dimensional. But the big thing is on the Titans side of the ball. Taylor Luan is uh, is old, is still out for this game as well, and and that I think is going to be um, the recipe for the disaster. So I am going to take. The Raiders to get off the snide on this one. Okay, I agree with you. Uh, I'm going with the Raiders also. I don't think they could afford to go 0 3, especially in that very competitive AFC West at this point in time. And all of that they were able to pull in in this off season, I thought that they would be able to bounce back. Especially for the college tandem of Carr and Adams, they are back at it, and um, they are haven't really moved the needle. Um, this bothers me also for fantasy purposes. I have Hunter Renfro on my team. Had to bench him as of me knowing that he was questionable and being ruled out a few days ago. Um, <laughs> I want to see if the Raiders can do it without him because he's the one that gets them out of trouble a lot of the time. If he's not able to be effective in that lineup, Devontae has more pressure. Waller has more pressure. The running game has to get started. The, the questions that have been looming around Jacobs as well. I, I mean, there's a lot. And and the one person that I'm pegging or pointing my finger at, yeah, I'm pointing my finger. I don't want to, and I apologize. I know that's not right. But Derek Carr, you can't avoid this. You can't. Like, like you are uh, in the midst of Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, and Patrick Mahomes. You are going to end up in the bottom of the barrel somewhere with Russ because Russ doesn't have the guns that he needs to win that division or, or be a threat at this point in time. For him to struggle at home up against the Texans is another thing. But we'll uh, we'll carry on. The next game I have are the Chiefs and the Colts. James, I'll let you start this one off first. Who do you like and why? The Chiefs are now favored by five. That spread has dropped tremendously. But this is in, in Indianapolis, no less. Oof, I don't know why the spread is dropping. The Colts have not shown anything worth um worth being worth talking about right now. Uh yes is an indie and that's nice, whatever. Um they they're finally getting a little bit more healthy, that's nice, but at the end of the day 
this offense has shown nothing. Michael Pittman returning is going to be big for them. Um, but this is a team that uh, tied the Jaguars and lost to um, uh, who they lose to the Texans last week. Um, either way, the Broncos beat the Texans last week. Oh, Broncos beat the Texans last week. Um, can't remember who the who the Colts lost to, but it wasn't anybody particularly good. So I'm wondering. So the Colts, the Colts, okay, I got it. The Colts got shut out to the Jags. The Jags shut them out 24 nothing. Oh, that's it. Yeah. So they lost the Jags and um, tied the Texans in week one. That's um, right. <laughs> which mm-hmm. that, that's, that's not, that's not good for a team that was supposed to walk away with this division this year. Um, meanwhile, the chiefs have actually overperformed in their two first um games this year so i i can't see where where the they would have any reason to drop the spread i'm going to take the um i'm going to take the chiefs to win and to cover okay this is a tough pick for me um indianapolis can't lose another game <laughs> they can't they can't lose another game and the game that they have to win is up against one of the league's best in the kansas city chiefs this is tough this is really tough. I really feel like the Colts can come up with an upset, but there's too much for them to deal with. I don't think the Colts' defense can keep up with the Chiefs. I'm I'm going to go with the Chiefs, even though I feel like Vegas could have that trap aura. I, I just feel like it, it's just something there that can trap them, you know, and have people go with the five. I'm I'm going to go with the five as well. I'm going to go with the masses. I think that the Chiefs cover this, and um, it, it's just a lot. I, I feel like the linebacking core is good for the Colts, but the the back end, the secondary is going to have to deal with all of the weapons from Kelsey, uh, Valdez, Scantlin, and Juju. They're going to have to deal with all of that, and I feel like it's way too much speed, especially on a fast field um, turf, nevertheless, in Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, if the Colts pull this off and knock off the Chiefs, they save the season. Like, this is a game that they could be like, okay, we, we could compete. But for them to get shut out up against the Jags, I get it. It was in Florida. But they got shut out in a division rivalry up against a team that's trying to turn things around. Uh, I just, I just don't think so. I don't think so. Um, oh man, so I, I, I'm going with the Chiefs to get this pulled off. Okay, so the next game that I have, um, bear with me, it's freezing. Okay, so I have this is the shootout. Um, the Buffalo Bills carry their talents to South Beach, aka Miami up against the Dolphins, in which we just watched Micah Hyde be put out for the season. Tredavious White is still out. They also lost the guy Johnson that got hit by Micah Hyde, and he's out probably for the season with the, the injured, injury that he suffered in that game um, in that primetime matchup. Nevertheless, the Dolphins are also undefeated. They have a ridiculous offense with Waddle and Tyreek Hill. It's speed all across the board to test that secondary while they're injured. And the people that are picking up the pieces while those guys are out of the lineup are rookies. This is going to be a very interesting shootout. Um, James, I'll let you set this thing off. Your hometown, well, you're not really near there, but your your state, in your state, Buffalo, can they knock the Dolphins off in Florida? This is going to be See, it's funny. At the beginning of the season, I wasn't really pegging the Dolphins to be much. Uh, yeah, they got Tyree Kill, but, you know, what else? But at the end of the day, they 
they really showed something against the Baltimore Ravens last week um, with a with a pretty epic comeback. Um, another injury that I do want to um, put out there is Ed Oliver, the defensive tackle for the Buffalo Bills, is also out for this game, um, which could make a major difference, but I'm still taking the Bills. This, the Buffalo Bills are the class of this division. Yes, they're missing some pieces, but until somebody beats them, they're the best team in this, in this not only in this division, but in this conference. So I'm going to take the Bills anyway. This is tough. I'm going against the Grand. I'm going with Miami to pull this off. Um, Waddle and Tyreek Hill have to be able to threaten that secondary. As tough as a lot of people are going up against Tua and saying Tua can't do this, Tua can't do that, Tua was able to come back up against a Ravens team that had an incredible lead up against them and pull off an interesting win, no less, on the road. Um, and this one being the division rival where everybody knows that Buffalo is the talk of the league, not just in their division or in the conference, but the league, for them to try to pull this off, this is guns a-blazing. I think the Dolphins win this game in a surpriser. I'm going with Miami to pull this off. I think Buffalo will make this a game. Everybody's back with (laughs) – they had questionable notes on uh, Dawson Knox. They had questionable notes on Gabe Davis. They both are now ruled into the game. They both are healthy. But nevertheless, they have to be able to play defense. I think that defense has actually helped them a lot along the way. Um, I, I don't know. I, I I think that their hands are full. If Miami's able to work the run game in here somehow, and I want to be fair with the number, if Miami's able to get 65 to 80 yards rushing, Buffalo's in trouble, and that means that opens up the field for Gusecki in the middle of the field. I'm going with Miami to get this done. We do have a caller calling in, calling out of the 615. Uh, we have Mr. Harvey in the building. Mike, welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? I'm not sure if he hears me or we on mute. I'm not sure. Can you hear me? Six one five 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 four. Okay, so nevertheless we will continue to go on. The next game that we do have uh is an interesting one. The Detroit Lions are going to Minnesota up against the Vikings. They both are at one and one. Whomever wins this game is atop the NFC North. This this is interesting. Vegas has this at – this has been going up and down. This spread went from 6.5 to 6 to 5.5. I'm looking at it right now. It's at 6.5 again. So I don't know where this goes. James, who do you like in this game and why? The Detroit Lions or the Minnesota Vikings? Ooh. Now, this is this is a get-your-popcorn-ready game. Um, uh, when it's this close, I'm going to take the home team. I'm going to take the Vikings by a one-score game. Um, so I'm going to take the Lions to cover. Uh, I'm assuming that the Vikings are getting the six on the spread. Or five yeah, at this uh, point. It, it, listen, it, it, I don't know where it is. <laughs> it's spread is jumping around like crazy. It started out the early portion of the week at six and a half. It fell to six as of Wednesday. It fell to five and a half yesterday. And now I'm looking at it again. It's at six and a half. So it's like I don't know the consistency on this thing, but this thing is going up and down, up and down, up and down. I wonder what Vegas is up to. Um, so Harrison Smith is out for the Vikings. That leaves a lot of um, opportunity for somebody to go deep, like a DJ Chark. 
um, because he's got the speed to um, to go up and over the Minnesota Vikings defense. Um, only major injury on the Detroit side is Jonah Jackson, the offensive guard. They've been able to um, replace him pretty well over the past few weeks. Um, but he is um, a good, a very strong center, or I mean, a really strong guard. I mean, um, so the Lions are healthier, but it's in Minnesota, and they just got whipped last week. I'm I'm gonna take the Vikings in a one score game. Lions cover. Uh, Mike, are you with us? Uh, welcome to the brunch. Yeah. I'm with you, man. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I, know, I missed uh, several games right there. We're talking Lions and Packers though right now, right? No, Lions, 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 Lions right now, yeah. You know, you know, this is funny because I, I saw something yesterday that said something to the extent of 60% of the bets are in the over on this game. And something like 92% of the money is going towards over. I mean, I feel like this is going to be a shootout. You look at what the Lions have been able to do offensively week in and week out uh, in the first couple weeks of the season. Obviously, the Vikings look really good offensively in week one. Uh, Didn't look so pretty. Had sort of some struggles about themselves uh, last week against Philly. I feel like this game does go over, like everybody's betting, and I feel like it's going to be uh, definitely a shootout. But I don't know, man. There's just so there's so much money on the over on this game, or on the on the high side of that number. It just makes me wonder if somehow there's a trap in there somewhere. Um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Vikings close, only because uh, when it when in doubt, since I was wrong about the Lions so many times last year, like. I keep uh, uh, not having faith in myself, so for for you. But I'm I'm gonna say Vikings close in this game. Okay, so um, this is this is the interesting part about this because um, I don't like the fact that they gave us fucking hard knocks. Excuse me, I'm cursing. I, I apologize, to everybody out there. They gave us hard knocks, so now everybody kind of like media darling us out, and I don't like that attention that we got. You know, so now we're in a situation where. The only people that believe in us is the people that are in that building or people that are in Detroit or in the state of Michigan or if you're just a Lion fan yourself. That's the only people that believe in us. Otherwise, they think it's the SOL. They call it the same old Lions. But this offense has been doing well, especially with Harrison Smith being out. Their secondary is already hampered. Like, they haven't slowed anybody down. People are doing what they need to do other than the Packers that had to, like, kind of feel themselves out and they only scored a touchdown that game, I feel like Minnesota's going to have to prove that their secondary can get it done. I feel like this game will end up going under, just because Vegas is up to something. I feel like this will go under the 53. I'm going with the Lions. I think the Lions have more in the cabinet than what Minnesota has. I know that they have Justin. I know that they have Dalvin. I know that Thielen will probably show up in this game and be good in this game also. I don't even want to rule him out. Irv Smith Jr. has also been a good tight end. They've actually been giving him the ball also. But with the weapons that my uh, the Lions have, this is this is going to be an interesting game. I feel like they can go shot for shot. The one thing that I think that helps the Lions in this thing is that if they can get home on the defensive side of the ball, if that defensive line could create pressure and get to Kirk Cousins, they have a legit shot to win this game in Minnesota 
I'm going with Detroit. And and of course, yes, my uh my bias is there, but I feel like now this offense has to showcase themselves at this point in time. This is a huge game for them to do it on the road, first road test. Um, they had a good game at, at home up against the Eagles, had a good game at home up against the Commanders. Now we'll see what you look like away from the state of Michigan, forward down the field. That's all I have to say. If you know what I'm, I'm saying by forward down the field, I'm, I'm saying that loud and proud. Uh, the next matchup I have, the Baltimore Ravens go in the Gillette Stadium up against the New England Patriots. The Baltimore Ravens are favored by two and a half. Mike, I'll go to you first. Your thoughts on this game? Who do you like and why? Mike, are you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm here, man. Baltimore, I like in this game. I mean, I I think uh, uh, bounce back. I think Baltimore plays pretty well uh, and finds a way to pull this out. That. That was kind of that. That was an exciting kind of crazy game last week. I don't know that uh, Baltimore is going to line up again this year with a team that has as much on the outside as who they were playing a week ago. And I don't know. You just don't see Baltimore about that many, that much get away. And usually they, when things sort of get uh, a little difficult in that camp, they find a way to sort of uh, batten down the hatches and get everything together. So I like the Ravens to bounce back and get this win today. James, who are you liking this matchup and why? Uh, Ravens or New England? Um, I'm also taking the Ravens. Um, I'm taking the Ravens. They've played incredibly well in the two games that they've had this year. Um, while it looks like the the Patriots were kind of lucky to get the win that they got, um, so I I I have a lot more faith in um, the especially the offense of the the Ravens. And at this point, Lamar's on a mission, and it's not to get a big contract from the Ravens; it's to leave the Ravens and find a big contract somewhere else. I'm going Ravens. And if, if there is a spread, I, I will take the Ravens to cover two. The spread is two and a half in favor of Baltimore. Baltimore is favored by two and a half. But that's basically when they, when they play in a game, it's still a pick em to me. I still feel like you're going to win by a field goal or better. Like, they, there will be a one-point game here. And I can't really say that won't. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely taking the Ravens to win and to cover. This is interesting <laughs> because when you doubt Bill Belichick, he'll come up with a doggone win. Like even last week, I thought the Steelers were able to knock them off and the Patriots went into Pittsburgh and won that game. Now it's a game where Lamar comes in a different dynamic. you got a quarterback that's going to scramble, and it's like, do we go against Belichick? Could Belichick end up 2-1? <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Um, I'm going to go with. New England. I got to go with New England, man. Uh, they're at home. I, I feel like they can get this thing frustrated. I think that they're going to try to do their best to corral Lamar. They got to take away that big weapon that he is and, and being a, a dynamic dual threat. Um, if they could get to him and, and 
also slow down Mark Andrews, I feel like they could be effective enough to win this game. I think New England gets this done um, in a nail-biter. This is going to be an interesting game. I don't think they win by blowout. I don't think Baltimore runs away with them. I'm going to go away from the masses. I'm, I'm going with New England to get this thing done. The next matchup we have are the Cincinnati Bengals going up against the Jets. The Jets are home. Cincinnati favored by six. I'll come to you first on this one, James. Who do you like, gangrene or who they? Um, I'm, I'm going to take the I'm going to take the Bengals on this. They've been pretty crap the past the first two weeks. They, in spite of the investment on the offensive line, they still haven't been able to protect Joe Burrow. But the Jets are still the Jets. Amazing comeback win, great story last week. The Jets are still the Jets. They're still the Jets. They're still the Jets. They're still the Jets. I'm taking Bengals, and if the Bengals lose, there's no playoffs for them either. Like they can't, they can't lose this game and expect to be a playoff team. Zero and three, yeah, it's ten percent, but zero and three and a loss to the Jets, that ten percent's out the window. So I'm going Bengals because they have to win this one. Okay, I'm actually going against the grain. I'm going with the Jets. I think the Jets get this done. I do not believe in Cincinnati at all. You want to know why? Here it goes. They are not all sold in trying to protect their best investment in Joe Burrow. The last three games, the first two games of the season and the Super Bowl, he's been sacked 20 times. 20 times. That is ridiculous. That means that he's averaging six or better sacks a game. And he's not bad. He's a good quarterback. You guys are not investing or thinking about this investment. That the year before, last year for the Super Bowl, he got knocked out of the season because he tore his ACL because you did not protect him. You guys are not protecting him at all. I am not going with Cincinnati until they prove it to me. Let me be wrong. Let me be wrong. I'm going with the Jets. I think Flacco gets it done. Flacco knows that organization. He's played against them multiple times while he was a Raven. I'm going with the Jets to get this done and shock the world. I'm going with Gang Green. Mike, who do you like in this matchup, Cincinnati or the Jets? That's funny. You mentioned 20 sacks, and then you turn around, and I don't know what the number was against Kansas City uh, in the AFC title game, but I know in the divisional playoff rounds against Tennessee, they gave up nine more. So, like, if you just go back one or two other games, now we're probably talking easy, like, in just about four games. Well, I guess five games. We're talking about 35 sacks. This is crazy. Uh, last year in the regular season, Burrow took – regular season and playoffs have been put together. He took 75-plus sacks last year, which is the most sacks on record that – uh, a, a quarterback, especially a winning quarterback, but I think a quarterback has taken in a season. They made a few moves to try to address this line. I don't see the, the fruits of the labor yet at all. Uh, the, 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 if there's any fruits coming out of that labor of addressing that line, it's going to be uh, it's either got fruit flies all over it or it's, uh, it's spoiled rotten fruit. So uh, it does not look pretty as far as keeping this man upright. Uh, Cincinnati, you got a franchise guy. You haven't had one in, in years. And this is a uh, guy who has a chance to be maybe the best one you've ever had. So we'll see 
if they can eventually put it together. Uh, they have, I mean, obviously fallen from grace, but I think they find a way to get it done today. I do not think that Cincinnati, even though they have an impression in a lot of ways, I just don't think this team's going to start 0-3. I could be wrong. We'll see. But I think Cincinnati wins today. The next matchup I have is the Eagles going up against the Commanders. This is taking place in Maryland. I was going to say D.C., but I've actually been to FedEx Field. That is in Maryland. Um, the Eagles are favored by six. I am not going to go against the Eagles. As much as I think the Commanders could trap people, I think Vegas is involved, especially with this six-point game. I think that this could be an interesting one, but I still think the Eagles will pull this off and go to 3-0 and within their division. But this is a division rivalry game within that, and there's not too much traveling because they're very close to each other. But uh, I think Philadelphia still keeps this thing moving. Jalen Hurts and company. Um, I'm going to come to you next on this one. James, who do you like in this matchup, your Eagles or the Commanders? I'm going to take the Eagles on this one. Um, I just can't really have a lot of faith in Carson Wentz, to be honest with you. Um, He's shown a lot better than I was expecting over the first two games. Um, Jahan Dobson has been kind of a godsend for him because Terry McLaurin's kind of been a bit of trash. Um, But at the end of the day, this is a very strong Eagles team with a defense. Like, people are talking about the offense and how it's vastly improved, which it has. But this defense is as good as it ever was. And, um, and I think that's going to slow down Wentz as well. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Eagles. Mike, who do you like in this matchup? Eagles or Commanders, and why? Uh, I like the Eagles, man. I just think they're the more talented team. Uh, even though he's younger, uh, I trust Jalen Hurts more than Carson Wentz at this point. I definitely trust that receiving core. Um, I think. You know, Washington does have a solid defense and, you know, has a chance to compete in this game. Uh, Eagles were able to take care of the Reds, uh, the Commanders last year. I think they will again this year. To me, uh, you know, the Eagles have to get over that Cowboys hump because they weren't able to do anything uh, with them very much last season. Um, And I think that those demons will be exercised later in the year. But I I think the Eagles start at 3-0 and make an early season statement that, uh, they are the clear favorites in the NFC East. Okay, the next matchup I have are the New Orleans Saints going into Charlotte up against the Carolina Panthers. The Saints are 1-1, one and one, trying to bounce back off of that loss up against Thomas. And the Panthers are 0-2 uh, going into week three, having a tough test up against the Browns and then losing up against the Giants, no less, in New Jersey. Um, James, I'll let you set this off. I didn't know I was going to run into this game, so Michael go last. Your thoughts on this game and why? Um, is Baker Mayfield the um, still the quarterback of the Panthers? They didn't, like, apologize to Tay Bridgewater and, and beg to have him back. That, that didn't Are happen, right? Okay, okay. So, As you I'm pretty sure that didn't happen, so I'm going to go against the Panthers on every single turn. Uh, the Saints are going to are going to just destroy them. Destroy. Okay, so the spread is two. 
Vegas thinks this is oh, going to be a close one. Way, way over two. Way over two. I, I would put it at, I'd put it at 10 or better. Wow, double digit wow, two double possession. I, oh, man, this was a tough game. I think Vegas is up to no good, especially with the way that this week started. They said Christian McCaffrey was injured, but he's going to play. And I think Christian McCaffrey's actually taking his personal because I think the past four seasons he's been injured. The past three before this one, he's missed the season. Like, he's been knocked out. Um, and I've been telling people, like, I, I want to see a full season before we start saying he's the best running back in the league and he hasn't been able to give it a go. Um, but this is a division battle, no less. I still think the Saints win this game. If the Saints lose this game, they have issues. They fall to one and two. They lose to a team that they should not be losing to in the Carolina Panthers. I get it. It's a division rivalry. But those questions, I think, need to loom in front of Baker Mayfield if he really is an NFL quarterback. Forget just being a quarterback for the Panthers. If he can be a quarterback here, Baker prove it to somebody. I don't believe it. I'm going with the Saints. Mike, who are you going with, your boys or the Panthers? You know, last year, this was a game that the Saints dropped in week two. Sam Darnot played respectable, and and Jameis did not. Uh, that was after a huge win to start the season for the Saints. <clears throat> this time, the Saints coming off a loss. Uh, I think that uh, coaches and everybody had, had their attention when they were playing in this week. I think the Saints uh, find a way to get this one done. Um, Jameis still a little banged up. A few guys uh, still trying to get back right. But I just think overall I feel like this Saints team is more talented across the board than the Panthers team. Uh, you know, I, I would like to agree with uh, James and think that this is going to be convincing. But uh, as you said, TP, it is a division game. And somehow they always find a way to make it close. And listen, Christian McCaffrey is a problem for anybody when he's on the field, right? But I, I think the Saints have enough to get this done. I think they go into Charlotte and take care of business and bring that dub back to uh, back to the Crescent City today. Okay, the next match that we have, I, I want to do this in unison because I can get past it, plus we're running down on time. Is there anybody in this kitchen that believes Jacksonville could come across the country and knock off the Chargers in Los Angeles? The Chargers are favored by three and a half. Yeah, I think they can. Nah, that's, that's kind of scary to me. Um, uh, is Herbert playing? Has he confirmed Herbert playing? Herbert is playing. Herbert said he's pushing through the injury. They said he's pushing through the rib injury. They can, but they won't. I think even with him being out, I think he's going to um, – with him being out there, I think they're going to have to resort to things in the short passing game and try to get the ball out pretty quickly to uh, minimize some of the hits that he takes. I do think this Chargers team is going to be uh, somewhat limited in what they can do. I think at the end of the day they're probably better than the Jacks, but listen, stranger things have happened. Don't be surprised if the Jacks pull the upset, but I think the Chargers are worried. I don't think that they could afford to lose this game being the Chargers, especially, like I said, the same situation for the Raiders. They are in a division where the Chiefs could potentially run away with this thing if people aren't taking this thing serious. The Chargers can't afford to lose this game to a Jaguar team that's still trying to rebuild and prove themselves. If the Jags to come across this country 
and beat the Chargers in L.A., I have questions across the board, including the defense of the Chargers and the coaching staff as well. I'm, I'm not watching this happen at all. I think the Chargers get this done. I, I think this is going to be close because Vegas is playing around. James sees it too. That three and a half is questionable, but I still feel the Chargers will win this game and cover that spread. The next matchup I have is the Los Angeles Rams going to the toaster in Arizona up against the Arizona Cardinals. Mike, I'll come to you first. Rams, Cardinals, the Rams are favored by three and a half in the desert. I like the Rams. I think they uh, I think they win this game. They were very fortunate to survive last week. They didn't look great in week one. Uh, this Cardinals team still doesn't have their their weapons, how they were able to really survive and pull that out last week is uh, somewhat of a surprise to me. Uh, you know, with that Cardinals franchise, you think just keep your head above water so you can get D-Hop back and get, you know, get your guns back. But um, I don't think that this one is, is one that they're going to win. I just think that uh, with Donald and, and that defensive front that, that the Rams present, I just think that's a little bit too much for this uh, not very good offensive line for uh, the Cardinals, and I just I, I think the Rams are a little bit too much uh, for Arizona. James, who do you like in this game and why? The Stafford-led Rams or the Murray-led Cardinals? I'm, I'm going to take the Rams in this game. Um uh, the Cardinals are hurting defensively more than anything else. Um, I don't think J.J. Watt has made it back to the game yet. Um, so, I mean, that's uh, that's kind of a, a big thing in my mind. Um, <clears throat> Rondell Moore is out. Not a huge loss, but it's definitely notable. James Conner is questionable, but I think he's expected to play. But I also don't think that the Cardinals have enough in them to take advantage of the um, of the injuries in the secondary for the Rams. So I'm and so I'm going to take the uh, take the Rams on it. This is a very interesting matchup. I <laughs> I've seen this happen to Stafford before. Um, I'm actually going to go with the upset. I'm going with the Cardinals to pull this off. Stafford proved to me that you could play ball. You had a, a an interesting start to the game up against the Falcons. The Falcons almost came back and won that game. Jalen Ramsey saved you guys. He saved you guys because the offense stood still after being content with that 28-point lead or 28 points that you put on the board. Um, I think that win in Las Vegas could spell something, especially while all of the media and all of the tension is around what happened to Kyler Murray at the end of the game and one of the fans hit him. I hope that that team builds around him and can start this thing up and keep sight on the future of D-Hop coming back to that organization. I'm going with the Cardinals to pull this off and make it interesting in the NFC West. I, I really, with Van Jefferson out of that off, offense as well, they get to load up on Cooper Cup too. Uh, Akers in that run game is going to have to get involved somehow, some way. If they can't, this is a lot of pressure on Stafford to win this game on his arm. And uh, I've seen it his whole career. His, his arm could end up getting him in trouble. I'm going with the Cardinals to pull this off. The Falcons and the Seahawks, this takes place in the state of Washington. The Falcons are 0-2, just like I said. They almost won last week. 
The Seahawks are one and one. Could they force themselves to be two and one on the season? I'm going to go with this one. I'm going with the Falcons to win this game in Seattle. This is basically a pick 'em. Seattle favored by a point. Um, I want to throw this one around the room and see how you guys feel about it. Uh, Mike, I'll go to you first. Falcons or Seahawks? Mike, can you hear me? Are you there? Yeah, I will go. I I agree with you. Actually, I think Atlanta gets off the snide and wins this week. Uh, I've been I've been thinking that all week. I I just think this is set up for them. I thought the Falcons very easily could close the show in week one with a win. Uh, they they had a ten play stretch where Jameis just hit every throw he made late in the game. Uh, for the Saints to pull that out, but they had, you know, a two-score lead late in that game. Uh, I thought they showed a lot of life after getting down 28-3 to to the Rams and came back and made it really, really close. Um, and, you know, a few more minutes left in that game last week, and, uh, you know, the Rams might not have gotten out of week two alive with a victory. So I think Atlanta's been close the first two weeks, kind of in reverse fashion right in that the, they had to come back last week to make it close, and they got come back on in the first week. So uh, I I think that the Falcons get it together this week, and they get a win out west in Seattle. Who do you like in this matchup and why? Falcons and Seahawks is in Washington. Um, I'm going to take the Seahawks entirely because of coaching. Um, the, the coaching staff of the Falcons is over their head. Um, and now they're having bickering matches with the media, which I can easily see them just cutting Kyle Pitts out of the game just just to show, hey, we can win without Kyle Pitts. See that? This isn't fantasy football. It's real football, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, but I'm going to – long story short, I'm taking the Seahawks. I, <laughs> I'm going to put my faith in Gina Smith over Mark Mariota. Whew, I didn't think that in 2022 that I'd be be mentioning those two guys as starting quarterbacks, but there, but here we are. Um, I'm taking the Seahawks. Mariota's better than you think, huh? See, you got to give him some credit. Told you so. Look at you now. <laughs> okay, so so the next game I have is is probably the game of the week. A lot of people are looking at this differently now. If, if these teams are questions or shells of themselves. Um, we have the Green Bay Packers at 1-1 one and one at this point in time and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 2-0. Oh. Can uh, Tom Brady team stay flawless at this point in time with Mike Evans out, Godwin out, everybody's out. <laughs> but he still has some guns. They picked up Cole Beasley this week too. So this is going to be interesting. Who do you guys have? Mike, I'll start with you first. Green Bay or Tampa Bay? I – you know, this is a game that I'll be honest with you. I've gone back and forth, going back and forth, going back. And then when you first mentioned, I'm like, "Don't pick me first. Don't pick me first. Uh, but you did, so I'm gonna pick. Uh, man, I've uh, I've gone back and forth on this game all week long. Uh, I'm going to go with the man that told everybody just to relax, R-E-L-A-X, a few years ago when they started off slow. Um, I don't know why um, or how, but I just think somehow 
with with those two running backs with Dylan and with Jones. I think that some that somehow Green Bay finds a way to get this done and both of these two teams will be two and one by the end of the day. So I'm gonna go with Green Bay in a close game in the battle of the base today. James, who do you like in this game? Aaron or Thomas? Um I'm going to go with the GOAT. Um, I really don't think I should. Um, there's an old colloquial saying, if you're a one-and-a-half point favorite, um, if you're a one-and-a-half point favorite at home, then you're really an underdog. And I think that's going to be true in this case. Actually, I'm going to flip my mind. Um, I'm going to pick the Packers just for that reason. Biggest reason is mostly because of the injuries to the um, to the wide receiver core on the on um, on the Buccaneers. Well, injury slash suspension to be more accurate. Um, I think that Aaron Rodgers is used to working with his crap wide receivers. Tom Brady isn't, and that's going to be the entirety of my reasoning. Um, the Packers, at least on paper, have a better um, better defense, even though they haven't shown it yet. So I'm going to take the Packers. This is interesting because I don't know how to look at this. It's like um, Aaron Rodgers has to prove himself at this point in time because we know every year he's always doing good in the regular season and he gets into the postseason and just something goes wrong. And y'all already know how I do in this, this kitchen. There's a story of a guy named Brady. And, and every time we go against the grain, something happens. They looked at his, his interview. Oh, he doesn't look good. He's starting to look old. And, oh, look at his cheeks. And that's like this dude still goes out there and performs, <laughs> like regardless of what's happening, whether he's winning 19-3 or he's going into New Orleans and pulling that one off, he's still able to get it done. Um, they brought in another receiver that's going to cause damage underneath with Cole Beasley. I don't know how many routes he may have picked up in the playbook, but that's something that Brady wants to see is uh, somebody that could do a five-yard route and extend that to be 7 to 11 yards so they can move the chains. This is going to be interesting. Um, Brady's actually been able to do well up against Rodgers, even though Rodgers is a dynamic player, one of the best quarterbacks that we've seen. But for some odd reason, Brady always gets it done. I'm not going away from Tom. I'm going with the Bucks to get this done at home, and everybody get their popcorn ready for this matchup. The Sunday night matchup we have are the San Francisco 49ers, going into Colorado to play the Denver Broncos. The Niners are favored by one and a half in Colorado. I'll go first on this one. I think the Niners get this done um, and put pressure on Russell Wilson at this point in time and force him to be one and two within the division. I'll come to you next on this one, Mike. Who do you like and why, the Niners or the Broncos? You know, this is a game that uh, I thought a lot about as well. I mean, you look. Denver was supposed to be a quarterback away. They lose in game in week one uh, at Seattle. And quite honestly, they did not look very impressive in getting a win last week against Houston, right? Like, um, I have not seen a very good version um, of this this Denver Broncos team yet this season. I'm going to say... That somehow, some way, uh, Russell Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett, 
all those guys in Denver find a way to put it together and play well at home tonight on Sunday night on the national stage and get a win over San Francisco. I don't feel great about it. And once again, this is one of the other ones that I've gone back and forth on a lot this week. But I'm going to say somehow, some way, uh, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos get it done at home against the 49ers. Okay. Um, James, who do you like in this matchup, San Fran or Denver, and why? Broncos country, I'm dead inside. Um, it's Nathaniel Hackett has no – no reason being an NFL head coach, and that's the long and short of it. It's coaching that is causing this. It's not talent that's causing this team to fail. They are above average on defense, talent wise. They're above average on offense, talent wise. They have easily a top ten quarterback in the NFL right now, um, calling the shots for them, and they still can't win. That's coaching. That's nothing but coaching. Meanwhile, the San Francisco 49ers are going to try out Jimmy Garoppolo. The fact that they held out and kept him for all this time and brought him back on the cheap, and now we're seeing um, Trey Lance go down for an entire year. This is Jimmy Jimmy G's chance to keep that job and keep um, and keep Trey Lance on the bench even after he gets the uh, after he gets. His, his um his, after he gets recovered after he gets his ankle better, um, this is this is his chance. If they make the playoffs, then there's going to be some real question. This question that started this year is going to repeat next year, and I think it's going to go the other way. So I think I'm going to go with the 49ers over the um the Broncos. Okay, so we are at the tail end of the show. I need plugs and closeouts from each of you, but before I get the plugs and closeouts, I need the winner for Monday night as the Giants are favored up against the Dallas Cowboys by a point which is virtually a pick 'em. Monday night football. James, I'll start with you first. Thanks for stopping by, plug and closeout, but also your winner for the Monday night matchup. Uh, as much as I hate to see a villain happy, I'm going to go with the Giants. The Giants are not only at home, they are also playing a Cooper Rush-led Dallas Cowboys team. And let me just take a quick look at the injury report because I thought I saw that Kayvon Thibodeau was going to um, – was likely to start this week. And that is accurate, which will be really interesting to see him in his debut. I, I don't see many – although I do um, – think that Michael Gallup will be returning to the starting lineup as well this week, um, if I remember correctly. So um, it makes things interesting. They both got new, got additional pieces back, but I'm still going with the Giants. Um, yeah, definitely going with the Giants. It's not because they won two games. It's because the Cowboys are hurting right now, and they don't really have a, a means to – make that work, I don't think. Um, as far as a plug, um, I'm going to plug, if, if anybody's been on phlapparel.com, um, which is also sponsors the show, Coupon Code Chefs, they actually got a really cool Philly Skyline charcoal gray ball cap that I think I'm going to get myself. 
But you guys check it out. Pretty neat. With that said, I'm out. Later, guys. Thank you, Mr. Controversy, for holding me down today. Mike, your thoughts on the game? Who do you like and why? Let's get up out of here. All right, CP, man. Thanks again for having me. Um, Sorry to get late to the party today, but uh, always happy to to spend some time and chop it up with you on the Sunday morning brunch. Uh, As far as shout-outs, man, shout-out to uh, the Barbershop on Clubhouse. We're 13,000 strong and growing. We have rooms every day, especially during uh, football action on Saturdays and Sundays. But there's always at least uh, one room a day, sometimes more, uh, on Clubhouse and the Barbershop. So stop by and check out what we're doing. And be part of the Barbershop family. Um, also, get to the uh, website, sportscitychefs.com. Check out the blog. Check out the, artic- uh, the blogs, the articles, the finger foods, all the different things we have coming out. We have the NFL free-for-all on Tuesday nights. We have the callers cookout on Wednesdays. We have the time of Sunday morning brunch <clears throat> on Sunday morning. So check out, our, uh, check out all of our shows. You can also listen to them on A-L-E-X-A. I don't want to set mine off or any of your smart speakers. Uh, just tell it, play Sports City Chefs, and you can uh, check out our podcast at any time as well. Without the listeners, man, without people checking us out, uh, wouldn't be much point for us being here. So thank all you guys for listening and being part of what we do. Uh, like I said, uh, you mentioned PHI Apparel. I mentioned all of our <clears throat> shows and whatnot that we have going. So make sure you check us out. I think the uh, Giants find a way to get this done. I, <clears throat> other than... I think Dallas has to control the ball and run the ball and just kind of take a few shots down the field. I think that uh, Giants defensive front is going to be up to the task as far as stopping the run. And I just think that Saquon looks more explosive than anything coming out of the uh, Cowboys backfield right now. So I think somehow, some way, the New York football Giants <clears throat> start this season 3-0 and with a win against the Cowboys on uh, – on Monday night. But that being said, man, check out our website, check out our blogs, check out everything that we're doing with Sports City Chefs and the Barbershop on Clubhouse. And until we meet again, man, laissez les bon temps mouvais. Peace. Last but not least, I'm going to go with the Giants that pulled this off. This is going to be crazy, too, because the, uh, the Cowboys are in a situation where they're without Dak. I think Cooper Rush is going to have to try to figure this out in cold atmosphere, late night. In a division rivalry, I really feel like the Giants have to get up to the call. I think Dable has changed the culture somewhat. I want to see the consistency out of Daniel Jones if he can do it. I think this is a game where he could put the the league on note that the Giants could be a team to watch. I'm going with the Giants to get this done. SportsCityChefs.com. Check out the website, all the content we have. We got shows coming back around. We also have the crossover cafe coming back. Royce King is back in the fray. Um, a lot of the people are coming back to Sports City, so I'm thankful for all of that. Check us out, man. On that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the Chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs. Kaboom. Sports City Chefs is in the room. Cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune. Blown like a flower in June. Superman vs. MF Doom. The clouds loom. So tell a friend it's the Sports City Chefs again. Pay attention. Tune in. We on the set again. Sports City. Sports City Chefs. Chefs.
shit. Uh.